1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm PJ. And this week we have as our guest, Brandon Posh.
0: Moto America, the home of the AMA Superbike Championship featuring 190 mile an hour superbikes, is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Tickets and info and the complete 2021 schedule at MotoAmerica.com. That's the place to find out all about the upcoming season. We're going to have nine rounds of the best racing on two wheels. All 20 of those Ono superbike races are going to air live on Fox Sports along with the King and the Baggers. You can also check out Moto America Rewind and Inside Moto America airing on Fox Sports. And the Super Sport races this year are going to be covered live on Mav TV. So you don't have to miss a minute of the action practice qualifying races and video all available on Moto America Live Plus streaming. That's where I check a lot of the action if I can't be there. Super reasonable price for a ton of coverage. Don't miss any of the action there. The first event, getting excited, coming up April 30 through May 2 at Road Atlanta. Moto America Superbikes Atlanta, we can't wait for that to start. Follow Moto America on
1: Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Now here's the latest in industry news. This last weekend, we had Supercross from Arlington, Texas. It was round 12, and I tell you, it's shaping up to be a great series so far. The guy we had to look out for, and I've mentioned this before, he's riding with a high level of confidence, Cooper Webb. Had to work his way to the front, started out about third or fourth and worked his way up front, made some critical passes late in the race, and takes it home. Followed by Ken Roxon, his main rival in the series right now, comes in second. And defending champ, Eli Tomac, is third on the box. So that's your 450 class results. In the 250 class, another Cooper, Justin Cooper, pulls the whole shot and disappears. So he is the winner on the night, followed by pro circuit Kawasaki rider Cam McAdoo, and also another Kawasaki rider, Seth Hamaker. So that's your 250 West finish for the evening. So your point standings now in the 450 class, we've got Cooper Webb, Out front and running, he's got 275. He's 15 points up on Ken Roxon at this point. So Ken's got his work cut out for him. Defending champ Eli Tomac is back 41 points with 234. So he's really got his work cut out for him in the final rounds coming up. 250 standings, we've got Justin Cooper leading now with 108. He's got two points over Cameron McAdoo who's got 106, followed by Hunter Lawrence, who sits in third, he's four points back. So a real tight battle in that 250 West series. So really some great racing this last weekend.
0: This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, what was the first production turbocharged motorcycle produced? We'll be back with that answer after we talk to our guest, Brandon Posh. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto Today, Daytona 200 winner, Brandon Posh. Make sure I said that right. I said it right, Brandon? Yes, sir. <laughs> right on. Well, congratulations on your Daytona win. What's life been like since you got the Rolex?
2: Thanks. been pretty hectic here the past like week or so, between hanging out down in Daytona after we won, and my birthday was a couple of days after the race, and then uh, came home, celebrated my birthday, and just been kind of... Trying to get myself back together re- regain the focus and get ready for the uh full season
0: how old did you turn this year i just turned 20 on uh the 16th of march you didn't get to raid all the bars in daytona there
2: no we got another year to wait but um at least i'll, I'll have a rolex for next time when i want to go out so
0: right on and so how many daytona 200s have you run was that t- tell me that was your first
2: that was uh actually my second 200 2019 It was me and Bobby Fong leading the 200 with five laps to go, and then restarted it. And I kind of got swallowed on the restart with five laps to go of a 57-lap race and finished fifth. And then last year, I qualified eighth, which was my best qualifying. Until this year, I qualified fifth, and then wound up winning the race. So it was actually the second time that I've I've raced it, but uh, the third time that we've gone to Daytona for the race.
0: Yes, sadly, as we all know, last year, uh, we had our man Tommy boy Hoverson there in the pits when they called the race uh, this year so much better. What was your favorite part? Looking back on it, now you've got a little bit of time between that day and today. What was what was your favorite part of the race beyond, of course, that run to the line, which was epic? 0.03, you can't get any closer.
2: Yeah, it was a fantastic race. Like I just had a good time. I, I rode really loose and I mean, you could kind of tell on the TV, like I wasn't really stressed out the whole time. I wasn't really pushing to get to the front. I kind of was just confident that I had the pace and I really just sat there four, fifth, six most of the race. And anytime that I could see a gap from the leader or two leaders, I would make my way to the front of the pack and then catch back up to to them front guys and just kind of sit there and conserve energy. Not even a couple of weeks. I think it was twelve days or eleven days before the race. I uh poured two and a half ligaments in my ankle. My shifter ankle, so I didn't even know if I was going to race. So we were just trying to save as much energy as I could all weekend up until the race started. So I kind of did as few laps as I could and kind of just tried to stay off my foot as much as possible as well leading up to the race, and then uh, just kind of it my all from race time.
1: Brandon, I couldn't imagine a tougher track to go out there with a uh, with a damaged appendage out there. What was that like? I mean, was that something that was on your mind during the during the race at all?
2: Honestly. As soon as the flag dropped in the race, I uh, didn't I didn't even feel it. The adrenaline kicked in and, and all that good stuff, and I kind of just
0: uh, had one goal on my mind, and that was to obviously win the race. It was out of sight, out of mind, I guess you could say. Brandon, that's a really comparatively long race for most road racers, let's say. There are endurance races. Did you do a lot of that kind of stuff to prep for it at all? I mean... You're probably in great physical shape, and two hours maybe isn't the longest deal for you, but it sure seems like a long time at full speed.
2: Yeah, I mean, growing up as a kid, we had this uh, local mini GP organization called NJ Mini GP, and, and they do like four-hour endurance races. So they have like the regular sprint race series, then they have a four-hour endurance race series. So growing up as a kid, I would always do the four-hour endurance races, and you have a team and stuff, so you swap bikes, but you get a ton of riding we we would normally do two people so it's two hours at a time so i did those growing up and then even races tcs like the amateur stuff growing up they always had like the gtu gto which is like a 25 minute race and then they have the team challenge which is like i think also a two-hour race or similar to the 200 but at, at other tracks so i would do those races kind of growing up but this you year, know, actually before the race like like i said I, I was kind of injured coming up for the race there so I hadn't been in the gym for almost a month. I hadn't been on the bicycle. I hadn't been running. I haven't really been doing a whole lot before the race just because of my injuries. So I was actually quite nervous before the race, whether or not I was going to last the whole race. And uh, I had confidence in myself just because I know how to ride a motorcycle and I know how to like conserve my energy kind of pretty well. But at the same time, when you're riding on the limit for two hours, you're going to spend the energy. So it was a little bit nerve wracking getting up to the race there.
0: Well, it didn't show. You certainly crushed it out there the finish at daytona it was a classic daytona finish you're you're a racer you know what daytona ends up being two well-matched racers or more we've seen the draft to the line what was your confidence level that you were going to be able to pull that off because i mean he pulled he went for the classic double draft and he was on his way back another 50 yards and it's a different result right
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Daytona's a tricky one. Your luck can go one way or another. I mean, like in 2019, I think I set myself up in almost the exact same position. The race, like I said before, got restarted, and they started like six or eight people on the lead lap. Some of them shouldn't have been there, and it was kind of just a a cluster, and and that's how it goes sometimes. So sometimes the momentum's in your favor and sometimes against you. All you can really do uh, as an individual is try and, put yourself in the best possible position for whatever the outcome is and right place, right time. And the cards kind of went in my direction. Wasn't luck, but it was definitely like the persistence of like putting myself in the right spot, the whole race and just being confident and kind of knowing like, okay, I can do this lap time, any lap that I want. And I can pass these guys in these places. Like I kind of just had like a, a sense of, I know I can do it. So just try and be smart and put myself in the right spot. And, I was pretty happy with where I was on the last lap, and I just knew, like, as long as I'm within probably, like, six bike lanes or eight bike lanes coming on through the last banking, that I could draft them to the line. So I kind of just stayed calm and just uh, kept my cool and waited, 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 and just struck at the right moment and, and made it happen.
0: It was a brilliant last lap move. Uh, again, Daytona is one of the great places for racing because of those last lap. It's always beautiful to watch. So you, at the tender age of 20, are what most people would call a veteran racer, right? You've been around the world. You've, you've done it all. Um, do you have more uh, interest in international racing? Is that still in your sights of something you want to do, or have, have you done it and, and lived it? I think I'm still on my way to the top, to be honest with you. I think there's
2: a uh, a path that I'm headed down where, obviously, it's not easy, and, and I'm going to have to put in a lot of work, and I'm going to have to have a lot of help from sponsors and supporters to make it happen. But I think I'm on the right path, and I think that uh, this year, I'll be racing in the British Super Sports Series for uh, the PTR Triumph team, Dineville Triumph. That's kind of my goal for this year is to get over there to the British Sport Championship I already have a contact signed and everything. We're just waiting to start testing here. Hopefully, put the bike in the top three in the championship, like I was able to do this past year Super Sport in Little America, and move on from there. Hopefully, head over to the World Super Sport Championship after after the BSB and see where that goes. And I want to kind of keep climbing the ladder as long as I can here and see how far I can
1: take it. So, Brandon, you're you're a rather tall guy, I understand, and, and tall and thin guy. Is your ultimate goal to get on the biggest bike, get on the 1,000cc and, and put that uh, that height to your advantage out on the track? Because I know on the smaller bikes, that can sometimes be a little bit of a challenge compared to, you know, a lot of the shorter stature riders.
2: Yeah, I mean, being taller, it's kind of difficult on the 600s, you know, just the bikes are so small. I mean, I'm kind of used to it, though, coming from like a Moto3 background. I ran the the little 250s for a long time. And I uh, actually won, a, won the Moto3 championship in the British Superbikes 2019. So I was 18 years old and pretty much the same size I am now, just even skinnier with a little bit less muscle mass and, and those sort of things. Like just trying to keep my weight down, starving myself to, to uh, be at a competitive weight. Now that I'm on the 600, I can gain just a little bit of weight, but I'm still on the tall side. It's kind of hard to get tucked in and uh, hard to stay at a good weight to Kind of be competitive on a 600 to be honest with you, so I'm always looking forward to uh kind of getting on the super bike or, or on a GP bike. I know it's, it's not easy, and a lot of the taller riders wind up going to World Superbike, I think just mainly because of the height and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll see where it kind of takes me and just kind of keep playing it by ear, but I just want to keep racing.
0: Well, we totally agree, you're definitely on your way up, Brandon. Uh, there's no suggestion you aren't, and I, I mean, we're all looking forward to what you're going to do next it's been an incredible ride. I got to figure, uh, you had some pretty stoked people on at the at home after that 200, where it, was any of your family able to join you during the race?
2: My dad was actually down in Daytona with me and I hadn't seen him in, in quite a while, quite a few months. So it was good to have him down there in Daytona with me. And then, uh, obviously my family was all back home here in New Jersey, watching the race live. And I think everybody was starting to turn the race off with like 20 laps to go. And they all started to see me closing the gap and started turning it back on. <laughs> so it came in for the last, I think like 15, 10, 15 laps. and just caught the end there. And everybody was pretty happy with it. And I mean, obviously my family was stuck. And for me, it was great to kind of give myself a, a really nice birthday present. <laughs> everybody's happy in a good mood and the sponsors were happy. And I mean, usually that's how it goes. When you win all the sponsors and everybody's usually pretty happy. And then when you lose, Sometimes uh, everybody's not too happy, but right now, so far, so good. We're all uh, excited to get the get the season going and keep the momentum rolling.
0: Brandon, that's awesome. Uh, we're uh, nearing the end of our time, and we definitely want to give you a chance to thank your important sponsors that have gotten you this far and are going to take you further. We know it's important for you to recognize them. Is there anybody you want to say thanks to as our time runs up?
2: I'd really like to thank the Classic Car Club of Manhattan, Evolved GT Track Days, the Trackside Parts Club, Luxar VIP, Pirelli for the amazing tires for the race, that, uh, it worked out really well. And, uh, Scotty Ryan at Owen, Megan Ryan, the whole TSC Racing crew, Scotty Jensen, my crew chief, and just everybody else that's really helping us out. I mean, it, it really means a lot to me and, and to our whole team, even. I mean, even the littlest things help us out. And it's not as glamorous as it looks, so. Everybody that pitches in, it just it means a lot to us. Keeping the dream alive and, and keeping us showing up at the race. Anybody that helps us out, we appreciate it. Speedy and I, helmets, and just the whole crew. I, I've had a lot of the same people behind me for for quite a few years now, and it's been uh, really great growing with the same people and and kind of going through the tough times and then also having the the really fun and exciting times when you're uh, on top of the world and and you win a race and sticking with the same people through the really tough times when you're uh, in your butt whooped <laughs> so it's been a while and I'm sure there's many more years to come so just looking forward to keeping the ball rolling and uh, having
0: a good time well Brandon we really appreciate you joining us Mr. Daytona of the year Daytona 200 winner Brandon Posh we wish you the best of luck when you go across the pond go get them. we look forward to everything that happens this year with you man
2: thanks for having me on
0: Thanks again to our guest, Brandon Posh. This week's Pit Pass Trivia question was, what was the first production turbocharged motorcycle produced? And the answer is Honda. The CX500 Turbo Honda gets credit for the first to the market production turbocharged motorcycle. That bike was ahead of its time. It was fairly advanced. It had air adjustable forks, digital ignition, and electronic fuel injection. The first Honda motorcycle to get that.
1: Upcoming events, we've got uh, GNCC uh, coming up uh, March 27th, the Camp Coker Bullet in Society Hills, South Carolina, so make sure you check that out. And we've also got Atlanta Supercross coming up. We've got a week off from Supercross racing, but picking up April 10th, 13th, and 17th will be in Atlanta for Supercross. Another triple header, and in the
0: MotoGP world, finally, we're getting a start to the season. MotoGP of Qatar, March 28th. That's going to be a double header event much like we're seeing in all of the motorcycling world. So the following weekend, April the 4th, they will have another event at the same track there in Los They call that the Doha GP. We look forward to the GP season kicking off. Sadly, Mark Marquez won't be joining the guys at this first event.
1: Thank you again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you can never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate that. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog. This
0: has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Howerson, Chris Bishop, our producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer. Eric Colton now I'm PJ and I'm Dave we'll see you next week on one wheel or two